a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this moment in time. We give it to you. We just pray, God, that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open. We just pray that um, for the, the um, power of the Holy Spirit to be here to speak to us today. Lord, today we're going to speak uh, on a topic that probably many of us have maybe not heard of before or um, heard talked about in church before. But Lord, I pray that this would be a day that you would... Um, that we would receive new, not only information, but we would receive new revelation. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would be in these moments. We just commit this time to you. Lord, we ask for your help. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, it's good to see you here this morning. Hey, a few weeks ago, we launched a new new three-part series entitled The Purpose of the Church the purpose of the church. It's been a while since we've revisited this series because we had Pastor Vicki and then we had Nolan last week. Didn't they both do an amazing job? We're so thankful for our preaching team. Yes. But today we're going to get back to this series, the purpose, of this, um, the purpose of the Church. And what we're doing in this series is we're addressing this very, very important question. And the question is this, why does the church exist? Why does the church exist? Have you ever gotten up on a Sunday morning and say, uh, what's this really all about? Why do we go to church? Why does the church exist? If you've asked yourself that question before, I want to let you know you're not alone. There's been times growing up in the church, I thought to myself, why does the church even exist? And that's what we're addressing in this series. And we're not just talking about Journey Church we're talking about the big, the big C universal church. Why do, I think it's like 100,000 churches just in America. Just think about that. 100,000 churches in America. Why are they getting together this morning? What's this really all about? And we're trying to address that question and answer that question the best that we can. So before we jump into new content this morning, what I want to do is I want to review or quickly just review the three purposes of the church. Number one, the purpose of the church primarily is to minister to God. Number two, the purpose of the church is that we're here to minister to believers. All those who call themselves believers, we'll look at that a little more in a second. And number three, we're here as a church, and it's not just about us, but we're here to minister to the world. So these are the three big reasons why the church exists, okay? And so far on this journey, we looked at this whole thought of we're here to minister to the world, and the primary way that we do that is through what is called evangelism, and that's not just for select believers, it's for all believers are called to evangelize, and we're saying this, that evangelism is basically we're going to share the gospel with people who have not heard the gospel. That's our responsibility of believers, your friends, your family members, people you run into, If they haven't heard the gospel, that's our job as a church, to minister to the world. Another way that we minister to the world, we said, is through mercy. That's the way the church ministers to the world. And we said mercy is when we show kindness and when we show compassion for those people in need. And that's why I love to talk about that Convoy of Hope is there for us to minister to the people of Maui. Why? That's the job of the church, to show kindness, to show compassion to people right now that are in great need. The churches around the world should be stepping up and saying, we're going to do something. We're going to make a difference. And we are here at Journey Church, and I'm super excited about that. Then we talked a few weeks ago about ministry to believers. And what that's all about is we're here to help you grow um, into maturity. Just like you were born, 
physically and you had to grow up to be mature. The same thing is true spiritually. It says when you come to Christ, Jesus' words would say you are born again. And now as a born again person, you have to grow spiritually. And that was the word I used that it's a call for all of us to grow up, to grow up spiritually, okay? So today what I want to do is I want to conclude this series and we're going to talk about ministry to God, ministry to God, okay? And that, I want to make sure you hear this loud and clear, the primary purpose of the church is for us to come together and we're here to minister to God. So I want to pause for a moment and I want us to take in what I just said, and that is ministry to God is the primary purpose of why we get together. Okay? That's why we get together. So let's just look at my thoughts that I've been thinking all week. Let me share them with you. So could it be that when we come to church on any given Sunday, any given Sunday, including this morning, could it be that it's not only for what we can get from God? And I want to let you know, you can get some things from God. Aren't you thankful for that? But could it be, but more importantly, that we come together for the purpose, listen carefully, we come together not to get from God, but we come together to give to God. I want you to process that in your mind and your heart, not only this morning, but do me a favor and think about that throughout this week. That every time I walk in the doors of this church, and every time we have a service, it's not only about what we can get from God, and God is good and He's going to give us some great things. But could it be the primary purpose of every time we come together in this church and all 100,000 churches around our country, because maybe you're visiting today and you go to another church, we're glad that you're here, but the whole reason we come together is so that we can give to God. We can give to God. And I don't know about you, but throughout this week when I've been thinking about this, it's kind of blown my mind and the reason why this has blown my mind is because I grew up going to church. I am very grateful for my Christian heritage. I'm very thankful for my Christian parents that gave their life to Christ when we were little kids, okay? So I want to let you know that um, I grew up going to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday. Believe it or not, we went to church three times a week. Does anybody remember those times Three times a week in church, the doors were open. All eight of the Bechtels were in a station wagon, pulling into the church parking lot, and we were coming to church. But unfortunately, and I say this kind of with humility, I say this, I can probably count on one hand how many times I came to church through all those years, thinking to myself, what is it today that I can give to God? I can't tell you how many, probably one hand at the most. How many times did I say, I'm, going to, I'm here to give to God? But often, I want to let you know, I've walked into a church service, and I've walked into a church service with what I call a consumer mentality. And the consumer mentality is I've walked into church so many times throughout my life, and I said to myself, without even maybe saying it or thinking it, it was just the attitude, the posture of my heart was, God, what am I going to get today? God, what am I going to get today? Are they going to sing the right songs that I like? Is the message going to be good? 
God, what can I get today? But I want to let you know the mentality that we need to have when we come into church is, God, what can I give today? What is it that I can give to you? So what is it that we can give to God? Or more importantly, what does God desire? What does he want from us when we come into the doors of any church? This church certainly included. May I ask it in the words of Gary Chapman, who said it this way, what is it that is God's love language? Has anybody ever heard of that book, The Five Love Languages? It talks about in marriage, you know, each, each spouse has a love language, and if you feel, fulfill their love languages, things are going to go really good. And um, Heather knows fully well that my love language is physical touch. I love touch. I, it's good, okay? Some of you are like, oh my, he's talking about this in church. This is my love language, okay? Another one for me would be, I love words of affirmation. So when Heather and I are affirming each other words of affirmation, there's good holy touches, okay, let me put it that way, things are good. Is that good? Then Heather's, I know her, her love language for Heather is what? Heather loves when we spend quality time together. Quality time. I, sometimes I don't understand it, but she wants to spend a lot of time with me. I'm like, why? But she does. And that's how she knows that I love her. And so when we do these things and we, we serve one another and we honor one another with our love languages, things go very well. But could it be, listen up guys, could it be that God has a love language? That there are certain things that really, really make a meaningful difference to him when we come together, okay? And to answer this question, here's what I believe that God loves when we come together. This is what I believe God loves from us, not only when we're in church, but when we're out of church and we're living life, what does God love? Well, I want to go to the scripture, and if you have your Bible today, we're going to discover God's love language, what he desires. If you have your Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 4, and we're not going to read the whole text But the um, background of the text is right after Jesus was baptized, he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was led where? Into the wilderness. And it was for 40 days. He was out in the wilderness fasting. 40 days. And in that time period, the scripture records that Jesus was tempted by the devil three different times. And I want to let you know he responded to temptation how every time? He responded with Scripture, with the Scripture. Then on the third temptation that we read about in this text, the enemy, the devil, tempts Jesus. He says, Jesus, if you will kneel down and worship me, if you will worship me, I'll give you everything. So that was the temptation. Jesus, if if you'll bow down and you'll worship me, I'll give you everything. It's right there in the text. Okay, number, let's read verse 10. Here's the verse. It says, this is the response of Jesus. Get out of here, Satan. I think it's on the screen. Let me put it there for you. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. And then Jesus goes back to the scripture. He says, for the scripture says, and when there's an underlined word, everybody say it together. You must worship. Can we do that together? You must the Lord your God and you must serve him only. I want to make sure that we caught this. And that is the God's love language, what God loves, what God desires for us. 
And by the way, if you're an Old Testament person, you can go all the way back to the second commandment that deals all about this, about worship. Okay? And that's what God desires from his people. God is a God that desires for people to worship him. Could it be when we come together and we're wondering, God, what can I give you? I'll tell you what we can give to God. We can give God our worship. Are you tracking with me this morning? I hope you are. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about worship quickly, and I'm going to give you four questions, and here they are. We're going to talk about what true worship is. Number two, we're going to talk about why do we worship God, why worship God. Number three, we're going to talk about how do we worship God, and this is where I really want us to drill down deep. And number four, I'm so excited to get here, but we've got to take our time, and that is what are the results of worshiping God? What are the results when we come together in this room? or the church that you attend, wherever you're visiting next week, or whatever the case may be, what are the results when people come and they worship God together? What's going to happen? So let's look at this. But before I define what worship is, I need to say something that you may know or something you may not know. But hopefully when I'm done, you'll know it. And that is this. Human beings are hardwired for worship. So what I want to say is here is that you and I were created to worship. Does everybody hear that? Every person, we have this. It's inside of us. We were born this way. We were created, hardwired, designed to worship. Thus, worship of someone or something is inevitable. It's only a matter of what you will worship or who you will worship But the truth is, you were born to worship, and everyone here, even today, we're all worshiping something or someone. I want us all to digest that. We're all worshiping something or someone. Why? Because we were created people. We were created to be worshipers. So I want you to hear that. You're a worshiper. You are a worshiper. Think about that digest that you are a worshiper, okay? And with that being said, I really want to pour my heart into you this morning and say this. It is to your best interest, my best interest, that we choose to worship God. Are you hearing me this morning? If you choose to worship someone else or something else, sooner or later you're going to be let down. You're going to be disappointed. It's not going to fulfill. It's not going to answer all the promises that it gives. So I want to encourage us, it's to our best interest that we true that we choose to worship. That's why throughout this message, you're going to see me use the word true worship. Because true worship is worship to God. False worship is all those other things, a thousand and a hundred thousand things that we could worship. That's false worship. The true worship is when we worship God. I want us to get this. So what is worship? That's our first question today. What is worship? And here's the answer to the question. True worship is when we value or we treasure God above all things. Or we could say above all people. That's what true worship is. It's when we place the greatest value, we place the highest treasure on God above everything else in my life. God, I worship, I worship you. That's what it's all about. So I want to ask you, actually, this is kind of weird because I'm giving you an application question early in the message. 
But here's an application question that I challenge you, I dare you to ask yourself this week. What do you value? What do you treasure the most? And that's not something that's light. I want you to take that with you this week and unpack that and think about it as you're reading the Word, as you're spending quiet time, as you're on your ride to work or whatever, you're out cutting the grass. Great quiet time, by the way. And that is, what do you value? What do you treasure the most? What is it in your life? And by the way, if you need help answering this question, can I throw out just a few, um, through a couple suggestions that may help you out to answer the question? Because sometimes I think we answer the question the way we feel like the question should be answered, but is there really proof in the pudding? Is there really proof and that's the way it really is? So let me ask you a, a few quick questions that may help you to discern what you truly worship is, number one, you might want to take a look at your calendar schedule. Take a look at your calendar and your schedule. That might be a help of what you truly worship. It might be. Here's another one, without trying to get too close and step on your toes, take a look at your bank statement. Would that show that you worship? What do you worship? Here's the one that got me all week is, think about what consumes your thoughts. Sometimes I'm embarrassed if you would know my thoughts. All week, what is it that consumes my thoughts? My thoughts. Could it be those are the three tests that would help you to answer that question? What do I truly value and worship the most? My schedule? My finances? What's consuming my thoughts throughout this week? Just a way to possibly help you answer that question. So true worship is valuing or treasuring God above all things. Question number two is why worship God? You're here saying, well, I could worship a lot of other things. Why worship God? Why should I value and treasure God above all things? And there's a lot of different answers in the Bible. Why? First one I want to share, and I'm only going to share two, why we should worship is because it says in Acts chapter 17, this is a great reason to worship God. It says this, can we read it together? Everybody, in him we live, we move, and have exist. Let's say it one more time. In him we live and move and exist. How many people know that's a great reason to worship God? He's our creator. Let's all do this exercise together. Everybody together, take a deep breath Everybody together, let that breath out. Let's do it one more time. Deep breath. Exhale. How many people know God made that possible? God, who gives you life. God, who is the one who gives you existence. He's the one that makes it possible for us to even go. I tell you what, what a great reason to worship God. Amen? But I want to get a little more specific. I want to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writing to believers living in the city of Rome. He's given them a bunch of theology in these first chapters. Amazing book. And then look what he says in Romans 12, 1a. He says, so dear brothers and sisters. So he's writing to Christians. He says, I plead with you to do what? To give your bodies to God. Everybody say this part together. 
because of all he has done for you. He's saying, hey, I'm going to talk about worship. Why do we worship God? We worship God because all that he has done for us. How many people know God has done a lot of good things for us? I was just made a list real quick. I'll just shotgun it out to you real quick. How many people know he has given us what we don't deserve? He's given us his love unconditionally. He's given us grace. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us peace. Yes. He's given us joy. If one of these triggers with you, you might want to say amen. Okay. He's given us comfort. Okay. He's given us strength. He's given us wisdom. He's given us hope. How many people are glad that we have hope? Oh, yes. He's given us kindness. He's given us eternal life. The moment you accept Christ, that's when eternal life starts. You're just going to transition. Man, what's, man, thank you, Lord. I worship you because you give me eternal life. You've given me forgiveness. You've given me freedom. God, you have given me so much more. And that, my friends, is just a few of the reasons. And there's a hundred or a thousand other reasons. Why do we worship God? Because it's because of him we exist. And plus, he's done all these wonderful things. So when I come together, yeah, there may be, sing, there may be some things in my life that are hard this morning. There may be some things in my life, you know what? I was hoping it would be a little better in that area. But at the end of the day, how many people know there's a lot of good things? There's a lot of things to worship God about, amen? There's a lot of reasons to say, you know, Lord, even though my shoulder hurts today, or even though my health may not be 100% today, and even though Heather's mother may be in the hospital this morning struggling for her life, I still come. God, in the midst of the challenges, I still come and I raise my hands and I sing the songs and I clap my hands, not for the things that are going wrong, but Lord, because you are God. Amen? And we got to grow into this. This is, this is for mature people. We got to grow into this, okay? So we worship God for all he's done. Question three, how do we worship God? And this is a loaded question. Once again, you, we could, this series could be four to five weeks, and it won't be. But the question is, how do we worship God? And there's a lot of scripture, but there's one scripture specifically that I want to look at today that gives us two reasons why, how we can worship. It comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. Remember, the question is, how do we worship the writer says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual, everybody say sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise. By the way, how many people grew up in church in the 70s and the 80s, the 90s? Sing along with me if you know the song. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of, come on, don't leave me out there. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Come on. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of... And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. By the way, if you grew up in the church I grew up, you didn't sing that one time. You didn't sing it two times. But the worship leader, I thought it was the only song they knew. And they sang it a dozen times. Not the greatest song I like, but I tell you what, theolo uh, the theology's right on. It was great. 
And it really talked about our job description, to be people of worship. So I remember growing up, I loved my growing up years, we would sing that song. And then my sister, who wasn't on the praise team, she had a tambourine. Anybody grow up in a church where I had people just had liberty to just bring a tambourine? By the way, that's not happening here. And she'd play that tambourine and people would be dancing around and shouting and we bring, and I just, those were wonderful days. Those were, Veronica, you remember those days? Those were wonderful days. We were singing our job description, okay? Then the verse went on to say this, and don't forget to do good. Everybody say do good. To share with those people in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So these, ver- these verses really show us two ways to worship God, two sacrifices that God loves. Number one, when we come together and we sing. That is a wonderful way for us to worship. It's the fruit of our lips giving praise to God. We're singing. This isn't a concert. We have never come to a concert in this building. We come to engage, to worship. We come to sing the fruit of our lips giving thanks. And by the way, we don't have time, but there's a lot of other verses that talk about other ways besides singing. There's a lot of verses that talks about how God loves clapping hands. Do a study of it this week. God loves, that's a form of worship, when people come and they clap their hands. That's God's love language. Another one is God loves when people come, and it says throughout the Bible that God loves when people come and what? Raise their hands. Those are all forms of worship that God is pleased with. When we come together, we sing, we clap, we worship. And I hope all of it's done with the right motive, and that is our heart. We always want to remember it's a posture of the heart. Not just to do it, but a posture of our heart. Okay? And then the second way, they're singing. The second way we worship God in these verses is we do good. We do good. And we share with people in need. That's why I love Convoy of Hope. We see people in need today in Maui. You know what worship is? A group of people that say, you know what, we're going to do something about it. We're going to open our wallets and we're going to give the resources so other people can give and help those people in need. I think of today we even have our school supplies out in the foyer that are going to be picked up this afternoon. How many people know us giving to those kids in need? That is worship that pleases God. So I want to encourage you, when we come together, we worship, we lift our hands, we sing, we clap our hands, we're in this together. That's what delights the Lord, is when we come together to worship, to worship. I'm not here to get from God, but I'm here to give to God. Thank you, Mike. I'm here to give to God. Okay? What would happen if we started to live that way? Think about that just for a moment. Question four. This is my favorite question of the day. Well, they're all good. At least I think so. What are the results? What's going to happen when people come in here and they're singing unto the Lord? Yes. What happens when people are beginning to clap? And when people begin to raise their hands. Think about this. I want you to get this. What is the result of worshiping God? I want to let you know God shows up. 
This is so good. This is priceless. You need to get this. When you come into this room, not for what you can get, but for what you can give, and you begin to worship God, I want to let you know God's going to show up. That's why there's some people that can come in this room today and they can leave like it was the greatest service in the world. And then there's a lot of there's people that can leave like that really stunk. True or false? Could it be it wasn't what happened on this platform? Could it be what happened with you? I really want you to think about that. Could it be that it's contingent upon you? That you came not for what you can get. But you came today with this mindset that I'm going to give to God the worship that he desires. Could it be that God shows up? And I want to let you know when God shows up, God's going to show out. And God's going to do some things in your life that you're not going to receive from my lips or you may not receive from Brian's singing. The God who knows exactly what you need when you walked into this room, the highs, the lows, the heartaches, the challenges. Could it, could it be that if you came in to give to God, that God himself shows up? And God himself shows out. And he meets you exactly where you are today. He knows what you need even before you ask going to meet you right where you are. He shows out. By the way, there's an Old Testament principle that backs up what I'm saying. And in the Old Testament, they would bring sacrifices to God. And when God would accept the sacrifice, he would consume the sacrifice. So the principle I want us to see here today is that every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Right there, every acceptable sacrifice we make to God our giving, the way we live our life, our attitudes, our singing, our clapping of hands, every acceptable sacrifice, meaning it comes from the right heart. It has the divine response of God, that God comes in, does amazing things in the life of his people. And that's what we're going to focus on next Sunday. We're going to look at three stories right from Scripture, a couple Old Testament, New Testament stories of when people chose to worship, God showed up and did some incredible things. I want to encourage you to be here next week. It's going to be really, really good. But my conclusion, my concluding thought is this. What would it look like if you, if me, what would it look like if all of us came to church next Sunday? And our goal wasn't to get. What if we came to church next Sunday saying, God, you know what? I'm going to come with a new mindset. I refuse to be a consumer any longer. What would it look like if next Sunday I came? And I said, God, I'm not here for me. But I'm here for the God who loves me. And who demonstrated his love for me by sending his son Jesus to die for me. What would begin to happen in your life? What would begin to happen in your marriage? 
What would begin to happen corporately to us as a church if we had 100, 150 people that would say, you know what? I don't care what song Brian plays. I'm jacked. I'm in. I'm here for you, God. I want to let you know the atmosphere of this room would change. More importantly, things in your heart and your life would begin to change because God will show up and he'll show out in your life. Some amazing things will happen. And this is my heart for us as a church. That this is never about just us coming together and during the music time saying, oh, that's just the warm-up for the message. It's not the warm-up for the message. It's not. It's the preparation to say, God, we want to give you space, allow you to come in and to do what you desire to do. My heart's desire is that this would truly be a church where people understand worship. That we're here for you, God. God, we're here for you. We're here for you to do only what you can do. So Brian, can we sing the chorus of the last song we sang this morning? Can we all stand together? And I'm not asking for everybody now to, okay, I'll raise my hands. Okay, I'll clap my hands. Because more importantly, it might be this week that you need to, your take home may be, Lord, I need to get things right in my heart so I can truly be a person of worship. But today what I want to do is I want to end with us responding to God. But if you need to close your eyes to remove any distractions, let's just take the next two, set, two minutes and say, God, I'm going to give worship to you. Let's sing together. Lead us right. Beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those unholy and holy. There is no one like you. There Let's all bow our heads together. Just want to encourage you, if you come to God, if you come to church with saying, God, I want to give, I want to let you know you're going to be surprised with what you get. There's no greater gift to get than his presence. How many people know that one moment in God's presence can change everything? Amen? One moment in the presence of God can change everything. I want to encourage us, let's be a church that we're done with consumer mentality church. I'm done with consumer mentality church. That we're a church that we come to give. God, we're going to give. We're going to come and give you the worship that you desire. All the way back in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, the second commandment, you're calling people to worship. Jesus in the wilderness 
because we're here to be people to worship you. When we come together, we worship together. We worship to get together in unity. We worship together corporately. Our worship doesn't end here today. Our worship is the way we live our lives now this week. So Lord, we come to you. We thank you for your, who you are. Lord, we're, we're in all of your goodness to us. We're so thankful for your amazing love that reaches each one of us where we are today, not when we get things a little, uh, a little more cleaned up. No, you meet us right where we're at. You meet us where we're at. Thank you for that today, Lord. I thank you that you're a God that's rich in mercy and goodness and kindness. I'm thankful, Lord, when I'm down, I can, I can come and worship and you, can, you begin to lift me up. When I'm discouraged and I worship you, you come and you encourage me. Lord, I'm so thankful that you're with me every day of the week, every moment of the day. But when we come together corporately, may we be people to worship. May this be a church full of worshipful people as we respond to what you have done for us. Help us to grow in this area. Lord, help us to grow in this area as a corporate body, Lord. We're not here for a concert. We're here for you. We're here for God, our creator, our sustainer, our good God, our good Father. We thank you and praise you. Let's all pray together as we close this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be rich and gracious to you. Have an amazing week. And live your life to say, Lord, I live my life to give thanks to worship.